This Washington Nationals team has been the most exciting team in how long? I'll answer that question right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and I have taken my fandom and my passion for this team in the podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. And on today's show, we're going to be previewing Patrick Corbin going up against the San Francisco Giants tonight and what will have to happen if Corbin can be successful. I'll tell you that nugget in the last segment of the show. The second segment of the show, we are going to get into a deep dive of all the numbers surrounding this very team, as obviously they have been off to a very hot start, considering the fact that we thought this was going to be the worst team, or if not the second to worst team in all of baseball. They have certainly proved myself wrong in that category but we're going to start off with talking about last night's victory as we had to take some time to digest that going on to the west coast it's always a tough time for the nationals and it just seems that way traveling across the west coast it's not easy people just think that playing in washington dc and then flying over to san francisco and you are playing the next day people don't think of the fact that They are three hours behind. They are still on the East Coast time zone. So wins like yesterday are wildly impressive, not only just because of the win in itself and what took place, but going over to the West Coast, they're thinking it's 945 at night. That's what their body's telling them. Well, they start out hot right away, and it clicks for them immediately as they drop multiple runs in that first inning. And obviously, That's where we got to start because they scored all five of their runs in that first inning. And honestly, there were some portions of that inning that really kind of got me upset. I'll run that through here now. And that starts with Gary DeSarcina, the Nationals' third base coach. Yesterday, he held up Lane Thomas on a ball that should have scored in the first inning when Kibert Ruiz hit that ball into the outfield. Lane Thomas had a weird kind of a fidgety start because he wasn't really sure if that ball was going to land. But when you're on second base and you're in the major leagues, you have to score on a ball that is going to the wall. You simply have to. And yes, Lane Thomas did have a bad start in that situation. He did. You watch him, he froze a little bit. That's kind of what they're taught to do. But if you see the angle of the ball, if you see where the fielder was playing, That's someone that you got to read off the bat and you got to go. So Lane Thomas is faulted for that. But also, Gary DeSarcina held him up in that portion right there. That little small fragment is just something that kind of irks me. A team like this needs to be aggressive. Put the ball in their court. Let them make the shot. Let them make the play. This Nationals team, you got nothing to lose. This San Francisco Giants team, they had expectations going into this year. 
they are the ones that need to make the plays. They have the pressure. This national team, you should be running it down people's throat. Every time you should be sending them. Where is Bob Senley when we need them? And also not even to mention, he had then held up Luis Garcia on another one from Joey Manessa's single in the first inning. It was a slow ground ball to the right side of the infield. And Garcia was held up at third again. Let alone, both those under those runners kept on scoring, and which is obviously the way that we want to see it. But at the end of the day, what is there to lose? Why can't you just be a little bit aggressive? It's all right if you get thrown out in the plate. It's okay for this team. Plus, the aggressiveness. We just, people just throw around this word, including myself. And some people may think there's not a lot of meaning behind that just to be aggressive, just to do it. Well, just because they're major leaguers doesn't mean these guys can't make mistakes. And those fielders, when you're putting the pressure on them, they now have to make the play to get the runner out on home. You're putting the pressure on them. People like to think that you don't have to be all this ultra-aggressive approach to score runs. I don't agree with that. I think that you should be the one to send them home. It's better to be a little bit more aggressive than less aggressive in my mind. Because of situations to where this team in particular does not really do that well when it comes to running, driving in runs. Now, yesterday they put up five in that first inning. They obviously had something to where they were tipping pitches or something because this national team kind of got shut down after that portion of the first inning. But when I see decisions like that, I want to see more aggressive base running. And really, it goes down to Gary D. Sarcina, who held them up in my mind. Now, he's not public enemy number one. Bryce Harper still exists. But Gary D. Sarcina has to be a little more aggressive and kind of read the room of what this Nationals team is. Yes, we have been winning games, but also we've been winning games because of the aggressive decision-making, because of being a little scratchy on the bases and getting in people's faces figuratively. This Nationals team should be jumping on the board when aggression comes like that. Regardless, both those runs scored. And at the end of the inning, the Nationals were up 5 to nothing in that first inning. And it seemed like we were well on our way to a victory, which is what exactly we did. And you know who was behind? Jake Irvin in his second MLB start going six and a third innings. And he was absolutely dominant for this Nationals team. And obviously, I talked about Jake Irvin and kind of really what I expected from him. When you're the number 20 prospect for an organization, the expectations should be down. You are not expecting a very good player. Let's just be honest. You're the number 20 prospect in an organization. Now, that doesn't mean you won't be good. That doesn't mean you won't be an impact player. But... You're not in the top 10 for a reason. Obviously, these people who make these decisions, who make these rankings, can look at these guys and really just say, oh, well, he was a later round pick. That's why we put him there. Not a lot of people like to be aggressive in these rankings. I saw someone point that out the other day, and I totally agree with it. But Jake Irvin so far has been lights out. 
And it's only been two starts. But again, at the end of the day, he's getting the job done in a role to where I didn't really think he could thrive in. Because going six and a third innings, four hits, three walks, and five strikeouts. He has an ERA of a 0.84 in two starts. And what's most impressive, in my opinion, is those three walks that he had really should have only been two. Because back in the second inning, if you remember, on a 3-1 count, zero on, zero out, he painted the outside edge that was called a ball four. And then, of course, he got bailed out of that because the next batter grounded into a double play. And that is where this national team has really thrived because I've got something on the double plays. I'll get to you guys in that second segment because that has been one of the most impressive parts of this national season as they turned four double plays in yesterday's game with Jake Irvin out there and Carl Edwards Jr. later in that game as well. This Nationals team, man, this Nationals team has been fun to watch. I was talking about this with someone last night. I haven't had this one since watching the summer of Kyle Schwarber two years ago. And even before that, it was 2019, obviously, two years before then. And really, that summer of Schwarber only really lasted about a month in June. Really, I guess the middle of May, you could say that. But Kyle Schwarber and what he did was still probably the most fun I've had since 2019. But then looking at this team and really just jumping all the expectations that I and you maybe placed on them, proved me wrong every single day. Every single day, you proved me wrong. I will take that any single day. Now, with the Nationals, obviously yesterday was just one of the better games that this Nationals team has put forward. And I feel like I'm saying this every time I come on here now, because they continue to win. They continue to win these tight nitty games yesterday wasn't tight but when you have the success of Jake Irvin and what he has done so far it's unbelievable and also not even to mention I said that he was a two-pitch pony well according to baseball savvy he threw four different pitches yesterday a fastball that he threw 31 times a curveball that he threw 30 times a sinker that he threw 22 times and in his changeup that he used in nine pitches at the end of the day what I read about Jake Irvin was that he threw his fastball and his curveball and he has a changeup that doesn't really play so we know this we noticed the curveball and what he has done with it already that is a filthy pitch as he was recognized by the pitching ninja and now the changeup as well that seems to be in play when he uses it and also a sinker that also no one none of us knew about so that is something that maybe baseball Savin is picking up a little differently and they're confusing the pitches because that happens at times as we've seen it with Josiah Gray and now multiple starts. That's something someone will have to nail down with Jake Irvin and see if he's actually throwing four pitches because if he's throwing four pitches, my main concern with him is that he really only had two reliable pitches. But yesterday, in four of those pitches, they all look pretty damn good. And if he was really throwing those four pitches, then the Nationals could have found themselves something because that was the main concern with Jake Irvin. Yes, Spencer Strider also has two pitches. He does those pitches pretty damn well, though. Jake Irvin at this point 
is starting to prove that his stuff plays. And maybe the people who make these rankings, the people who kind of feed us this information, just kind of didn't really notice Jake Irvin for whatever reason it was. Because he has been successful down in the minor leagues, up in college in Oklahoma, pitched in the same staff as Cade Cavalli. Believe he was on the same staff as Jake Bennett as well, who is down in low A Fredericksburg. Oklahoma's got something in their water because Jake Irvin has been a fine so far for this Washington Nationals team. A complete fine, to say the least. Now we're going to get into some numbers as I love to talk about these numbers because I think some of these will be a very big reason as to why this national team has been a lot better in 2023. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel and make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Tonight, we got the Suns and we got the Nuggets. Who will win that game? I don't know, but I do know this. I'm not trusting the Phoenix Suns. I am betting the money line on the Denver Nuggets. I'll even take the points as that as well, as we're going to go over with Nikola Jokic, and we're going to get that in a big parlay. There's no better place to bet at all the playoff action than the number one sports book in America. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And now we get into the numbers as this Nationals team. I have a couple numbers that I think really represent why this Nationals team has been so good so often, really. Because looking back on it, in 2022, what was the biggest issue? Number one, pitching. Pitching has improved this year. There is no doubt about it. Josiah Gray has stepped up. Patrick Corbin hasn't been the worst pitcher in baseball. Trevor Williams has been a much better product than watching an older Anibal Sanchez. And then also looking at Mackenzie Gore. He has been our best pitcher at times. And I still think he is our best pitcher. And now with Jake Irvin, through two starts, has been relatively pretty damn good. But even beyond that, it was fielding. In this defense behind the Nationals, or behind the Nationals pitching staff, Juan Soto did not help in that department last year. Now, I don't think he's as bad as a fielder as the numbers say. I think he's hovering around an average fielder. But obviously, at times, he's proven me completely wrong. And he's had really tough times, as he did last year. But then looking at last night, multiple throws by C.J. Abrams, scooped in the dirt by Dominic Smith. We take that for granted. We don't look at this and say, oh, this means something. This means something for this staff. Because this national staff did not have nearly, nearly the better defense as this, this 2023 national staff has had. Because the defense last year was atrocious. And now this year, it's been really, really good. And it shows in the numbers. 
as the Nationals right now lead the major leagues in double plays turned with 39. They had four last night against the Giants. Sitting in second is the Baltimore Orioles at 37. Also, you may ask, we are sitting at second in assist with 343. The only team above that is the Colorado Rockies with 350. Now, also, our errors are up there. That is true. But also, the strikeout rate for this Nationals team is down when it comes to the pitching staff. We aren't striking out an elite amount of hitters. Therefore, there are more opportunities to make plays. The fielding percentage may be a little bit down. Yes, I understand that. But when you are putting the ball in play as much as the opposing hitters are against this staff, the Nationals defense is eating it all up. And the errors that we have made. Yes, we have made a few. I understand that. But the product, the up the middle with C.J. Abrams and Luis Garcia, that beautiful marriage over there. J. Mayor Candelario over at third base. And most importantly is Dominic Smith over at first base. To where you can throw a ball in the dirt. And the chances are he will pick that. He will make that play. That is something the Nationals haven't really had since I guess you could say Josh Bell last year, but even then he's not even close to a fielder the way that Dominic Smith is. Dominic Smith has been our best fielding first baseman maybe since Adam LaRoche back in the early 2010s, and I mean that. Adam LaRoche was a gold glover type. Dominic Smith is up in that conversation. Now, will he be there? Probably not. They'll probably give it to some better team who they say, quote-unquote, deserves it more. But Dominic Smith, we talk about it. This staff right now, this pitching staff, the bullpen, they need the fielding behind them. They need to have these guys make these plays and make them look routine. Because the Nationals haven't really had that. You know, last night I was listening to Charlie and Dave, and of course, the Nats play, Giants tonight, at... Oracle Park, catch that game on every Nats hometown broadcast with Sirius XM and the SXM app, Search Nationals. I was listening to them last night, and they were talking about the defense and how much improved it is in 2023, and it's not even close. And it's because of Dominic Smith, in my mind, and what we can do. Now, the outfield defense needs a little bit of work. The corner outfield hasn't been great, and Victor Robles hasn't really been off to his normal self. He's made some web gym plays. He saved some hits, and he's made a few plays here and there. But the numbers dictate that he's been a little bit lower than what we're used to with providing defensive production. But obviously last night, he's in the IL right now. So he's not here to hurt us or help us because I think, obviously, Victor Robles is a help when he is out there and healthy, most importantly. But the fielding and the decision-making, of where to place these guys in the lineup, not having Joey Manessis over at first base, is the fix to this Nationals team. And I truly do believe if you were to take Dominic Smith out of that game, or really out of this lineup in general, I think it would really hurt not only the pitching staff, but the defense as a whole. Because we need those guys like that to sure up that infield. Because C.J. Abrams as he is a very good fielder, as we saw last night, 
he kind of gets a little antsy when he throws the ball. Doesn't really set his feet turning a double play. And just kind of lazily throws it over there. And that's what you expect from a 22-year-old shortstop in the big leagues. But you also have to have someone over at first base to scoop that up and to ensure that runners won't be scored on a pass ball like that from Dominic Smith, as we've seen from Josh Bell and multiple first basemen over the years. So Dominic Smith, what he has provided for this Nationals team, I think is invaluable. You can't even measure how valuable it is because I can't even think of the stat that you would come up with to talk about how he has been very valuable to this Nationals defense and most importantly, this Nationals staff. The Nats play the Giants tonight at 940, and I can't wait because Patrick Corbin is on the mound tonight, and I have one thing that I am actually relatively excited for if this happens, but the Nats Home Down broadcast is with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Nationals. Now we're going to talk about Patrick Corbin and, of course, what will make tonight a successful start. I'm going to get into that right after this. And we're getting into it because Patrick Corbin is starting on the hill tonight. And we talked about it last week with Patrick Corbin. What has been the difference in the last two starts? Well, if you're an everydayer, you know it. Because it's Riley Adams behind the dish. I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. Because I don't think Riley Adams is even close as a defensive catcher that Kibet Ruiz is not even close. But baseball is a weird game, especially a pitcher and a catcher combo. I bring this up all the time. 2019, who caught Patrick Corbin? Not Kurt Suzuki, who really was our starting catcher and our number one catcher. It was Jan Gomes. Every single outing, that is where he was comfortable. Now turn 2023. Where is he comfortable, you may ask? It is with Riley Adams, and it's not even close as of this point. Because last year, we know the numbers. He sat at about a 4-5 ERA with Riley Adams behind the plate compared to Kiebert Ruiz with an 8 ERA. And now we're seeing it again as Riley Adams over the last two starts and Patrick Corbin and what he has done has really just been amazing, to be honest. Because it's starting to prove true. In two starts this year, he's got a 3.65 ERA, only 10 hits, and a 2.22 batting average. Now with Kibet Ruiz as the starter this year behind the dish for Patrick Corbin, in five games, they're batting 3.13 with an 8.51 OPS. 36 hits in 26 innings. And again, 10 hits in 12 and a third innings with Riley Adams behind the dish. Davey Martinez, if he wants to keep this role going with this Nationals team, you have to have Riley Adams back there. You have to. And it's okay to give Kibet Ruiz a day off every five games. It's fine. A lot of teams do that. And at the end of the day, Patrick Corbin is probably going to be gone. It, probably he is going to be gone after 2024. This isn't a long-term thing with Patrick Corbin. But if you can get a quality start out of someone who hasn't been 
given you a quality start in forever, it feels like. You have to stick with the hot hand, and the hot hand is Riley Adams catching him. Now, what does that hurt? Because obviously it hurts the offensive production not having Kiber Ruiz in and having Riley Adams in there. No question about that. But at the end of the day, this Nationals team is winning. And we can laugh about it all you want. But we're only a few games back from that wild card, wild card spot. It's in the middle of May. You have to play the cards that were handed to you. And right now the Nationals are in the thick of it. You have to play to win. And the only way that Patrick Corbin will have success is by Riley Adams catching him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's in the proof. It's in the pudding, rather. This Nationals team, with Corbin on the mound, does not have success when it comes to Kibet Ruiz behind the plate. And it's not on him. Baseball is weird. It's a weird game. We understand that. That's why we love it so much. But you have to play the cards that were dealt to you. And Riley Adams is that guy who should be catching Patrick Corbin from here on out. And really, it shouldn't even be a discussion. If I see Kibet Ruiz out there tonight, I will have major questions. Major questions for Davey Martinez and this staff. Because this isn't just over two starts. This is now over a year and almost a half that Riley Adams has been the better catcher for Patrick Corbin. But obviously, Patrick Corbin isn't just it for tonight as the Nationals get ready to go on the road again against the San Francisco Giants. And of course, who are we pitching against? Logan Webb and the San Francisco Giants as it has been a little bit of a rougher start for Logan Webb as someone who used to be really up there in the Cy Young conversation. A lot of people think Logan Webb is a very good pitcher, including myself, as in 2021 and in 2022, he was probably their best pitcher. And looking at that, he has had a little bit of a slower start, you could say. Walking seven batters and only 45 innings pitch, that's pretty damn good. 48 strikeouts and 45 innings pitch. But most importantly, we say this again. What has been the key to success for the 2023 Nationals? Defense, and when they can, run support. And when you jump on these guys early. Because yesterday, the Nationals scored five in that first inning and did not score after that. Do that again. Do it again. Be aggressive on the base path. And God forbid Gary DeSarcina will send someone home when it's much needed to be aggressive. Allow them to make the plays because at the end of the day, when I talk about the aggression for this national team, you should certainly be aggressive against the San Francisco Giants because they lead the league in errors right now. They've made plenty of mistakes. Let them make the plays. Send them home. Let the runner score and run free. And also for C.J. Abrams, to steal some bases, man. You're getting a lot of singles right now. You know what's a way to spread that out a little bit? You can turn a single into a double, not by just getting that hit, but by sealing that base. Because you are one of the faster shortstops in Major League Baseball. One of the fastest players, you could say. Use it. Utilize it. This is one of your talents. And if it's Davey Martinez and the rest of the staff holding him back, then why? 
Everyone else seems to be stealing bases and running loose on the base path, but not this team. But C.J. Abrams, use your wheels, man. Take a single into a double by stealing a bag. That's all it is. Simple. Get down to the simple things with this Nationals team, and that is where we'll find some success for the Washington Nationals. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about Patrick Corbin. Did they start Riley Adams? Did the Nationals do the right thing? Hopefully, they did because it will make me so upset if they do not start Riley Adams tonight. Again, thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen. Check us out over on YouTube at Locked On Nationals. Find us anywhere. You can find me over on Twitter at RyanClary11. You can find the show Twitter as well at LO underscore Nationals. We will talk to you guys on the flip side. Enjoy the day and go.